Well, good morning. I pray that you are doing well. It's a wonderful and sunny morning. And I see some cirrus clouds way up high up there, um, but mostly sunny today. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, in case you don't know, I'm Pastor Nelson Nisley at Tower View Baptist Church, associate pastor here. I'm not the top dog. I'm one of the underdogs. And this is our Sunday School lesson for November 1st. It is November. November. Um, hard to believe that it is November already, or is it November finally? It depends on your point of view, how, how this year has been going. So thank you for watching, and thank you for listening. If you want to find out more about us at Tower View, you can check out our website at towerviewkc.com. Towerviewkc.com. If you're watching live, you're, you, you found our Facebook page at Tower View Baptist Church, and we're in Kansas City, Missouri. We're at the corner of Northeast 50th Street and Randolph Road. We're right in front of the World's of Fun Water Tower. If you're in Kansas City, you know right where that is. And so we, we thank you for watching. We thank you for listening. Our church phone number is 3681330. You can call it during the week. You can send text messages to that phone number. You, you, can, you can do both of those things. So thank you for watching. Hey, Nikki, I see you watching there. Judy. Uh, Huntsinker, I see you watching there. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, and we're continuing our study in the book of Isaiah. We're in, in the book of Isaiah. So, but let's before we do that, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you. You are the mighty God. And we just come to you humbly now as we study your word. Your word today tells us of who you are and who we are not. So give us a humble spirit on that, Lord. Show us, open our eyes, expand our minds to see who God is and that it may change our heart. You are the mighty God, Lord, and we just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we are in Isaiah chapter 46 this morning. Isaiah chapter 46. Um, and in this section of Isaiah, we're, once you hit chapter 40 in Isaiah, um, the tone of Isaiah's uh, sermons, if you, if you want to call them that, prophecies, changes. In chapters 1 through 39, they are very uh, specific, country-specific. They are very... Um, talk much about judgment, judgment for individual countries, including Israel, judgment for specific actions that uh, countries have taken. Um, there's some uh, very specific things, uh, narration about King Hezekiah. And it seems that Isaiah died during the reign of King Hezekiah. We, we know, reading through Isaiah, that um, King Hezekiah was going, God said he was going to die, but then Hezekiah prayed, and Isaiah went back and said, God has granted you another 15 years. And, and from, we don't have a death date of Isaiah, but it just seems that during that 15-year part, Isaiah died at some time during that time. And so Isaiah died before Babylon became a power again. Assyria was still the top dog. Babylon was an important country, but they weren't the top dog. Egypt was an important country, 
Um, Greece was out there. The Phoenicians were still powerful. And so we, as we read these, think about this. Babylon was not, did not have its armies out. It was, they were not ready to attack and, and destroy anybody or capture any cities. But here, as we read Isaiah chapter 46, we see um, parts of Babylon described here. And read, part of the reason that Isaiah is writing these things is because the people of Israel had forgotten who God was. They didn't remember who God was. And not just his name. I'm not talking about just remembering his name. But remember who he was. What did he do? What is he doing? What will he do? What is he doing in their lives today? What is he doing in the world around us? And they have forgot that. But he also wrote this to the unbelieving world to describe who God is in comparison to other, all the other gods in the world. Now in our, our culture today, 21st century America, we don't have gods as, as described in the Old Testament. We don't have little statues that we worship. We don't worship Bell or Nico or any of the gods of, of, of Egypt. What do we worship if we're not worshiping God? Where do we spend our time? Who do we look to? What do we look to? That's what our gods are. What do you depend on? And so the unbelieving world who look to power, who look to money, who look to relationships, who look to science, scientific theories, to be their God, instead of the God. They look to themselves as the omnipotent person that they can look, turn to and the only one they can trust. And so we're going to see through this scripture today who God is and what he is doing in this world. So let's go ahead and get started. Isaiah chapter 46. If you got your lesson, Ben, it's, it's lesson number nine. The lesson plan starts in chapter 3. In chapter 3. Lesson plan starts in verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 46. But guess what? I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And we're going to read this whole chapter today. And the, the chapter is only 13 verses, so that's not that big a deal. And so I'm going to start with the first two verses. So Isaiah 46, starting in verse 1. It says this, Bell crouches, Nebo cowers, Idols depicting them are consigned to beasts and cattle. The images you carry are loaded as a burden for the weary animals. So here we start off with naming two gods from Egypt, or from Egypt, from Babylon. These are gods from Babylon. Who they are and what they are, I'm not here to do a, a god study of the Babylonian gods. But these are gods that the Babylonians worshipped. But God says they crouch. They're cowering. The, the idols look like animals. And the animals are the ones that carry them. How do they get from place to place? They put them on a wagon, and some poor animal has to pull them around. So these gods become a burden to the very animals 
that they look like they represent. But God says they cower and they crouch. Why do you cower? Why do you crouch? You crouch out of, to try to hide. You cower out of fear. In verse 2, it says, The gods cower, and that's a lowercase g. They crouch together. They are not able to rescue the burden. They themselves go into captivity. The Babylonians have been conquered by the Assyrians years ago, before this. And so those gods were not all-powerful. The Babylonians suffered defeat. And so they cower. They went into captivity. The Assyrians captured them. And so these gods of the Babylonians, which Isaiah knew from that God had told him through prophecy, that Babylonian was going to come and conquer Israel. And they were going to become powerful. But Israel needed to remember that God was using Babylon as judgment against Israel, not because Babylon had any innate goodness in themselves. They were simply a tool for God. And so we continue on to verse 3. Listen to me, house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who has been sustained from the womb and carries along, carried along since birth. So now, this is Isaiah's preaching, but he's saying these are the words of God. He says, listen to me, and that's God speaking. House of Jacob. Okay, that's and then all the remnant of the house of Israel. Jacob and Israel are synonyms. Jacob was one of the sons of Isaac, and he had 12 sons that became the tribes of Israel. And one night after Jacob wrestled with an angel all through the night, God renamed him Israel. You can find that in the book of Genesis. And what has God done? They have sustained you since you were in your mother's womb and carried you along since birth. Echoing what God says in Psalm 139. And so do you remember that God has been with you from the beginning? You may not have followed God all your life, and you may have, you've may only been a Christian a short time. But God has been there since your birth. He hasn't stopped caring for you. And he has carried you along. How much worse would life be if God wasn't there for you? In verse 4, he doesn't stop. I will be the same until your old age. I will bear you up when you, you turn gray. I have made you and I will carry you. I will bear you and I will and rescue you. Now, this is a contrast to what he said in verse 2, in verse 1. He said the gods had to be carried and were a burden to the people. Here, God is saying, I am the one that will carry you. He is contrasting, he says, the gods of this world demand everything about you. Demand all your strength and all your money and all your time, and they will drain you. And here God says, I have been with you since birth, and I'm going to carry you as that you carry an infant on the day they're born, but I'm going to carry you when you get old and gray or bald. He will still be here. God doesn't get old. Someday I won't be able to pick up kids anymore and carry them, whether it's my grandkids or anybody else. I'll be too weak. 
But God doesn't get weak that way. He made us, yet he still desires us, and he still carries us. That's who God is. Do you remember that? Have you learned that? He doesn't change. He carries you. Continuing on in verse 5. You think you're so smart. In verse 5 he says, Who will you compare me or make me equal to? Is there anybody like God? Do we make sports equal to God? Well, I can't do church today because, you know, I can't worship God because I have to do sports. I don't have time for God because I got to work out. Or it could be jobs. Is I need all the money I can get, so I got to work as many jobs as possible. Yeah, I got a house over my head, but I want a better house. Yeah, I got a car I'm driving, but I want a better car. I have to have a better, you know, you know, yeah, I, I can get a cheap cell phone, but I want the best cell phone. You know, whatever it is, you know, it's I got to make more money. And you make that your God. He says, who will you compare me to? Verse 6. Those who pour out their bags, and now he makes fun of the gods. So he made fun of them already in verse 1. He says, yeah, you have to carry them around. Here he's going to make, make fun of, the, of all the people and their gods again. Those who pour out their bags of gold and weigh out silver and scales, then hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god. Then they kneel down and bow down to it. They lift it on their shoulders and bear it along, and set it in its place, and there it stands. It does not budge from its place. They cry out to it, but it doesn't answer. It saves no one from his trouble. They cry out to it and doesn't answer. And here is God answering the people, talking to them, telling them, I will carry you. Look at your history, Israel. I have carried you in the past. I carried you and sustained you for 40 years in that desert. Look through your history. Look at King David and the great military victories he had. And some of them he was outnumbered and, out, and outgunned. And yet he still won. How many military victories has Israel had with Joshua and with when Moses was alive? And, and, and different kings of Israel win and the judges and go through the book of Judges. It's amazing some of the battles they had there. They won a battle when they were carrying torches and, and, and trumpets. No weapons. And they won the battle. God carries them when they trust in him. And they just saw it. Assyria had surrounded Jerusalem. We just read about it. It surrounded Jerusalem, and they were outmanned and outgunned, and God defeated Assyria, and Israel didn't kill a single soldier. God did. So you look through Scripture, and you remember the things that God done in Scripture. But God has saved your soul. What great things has he done in your life? What calamities have, has he kept out of your life? What blessings has he provided to you? Remember those things and when you're thinking about, well, I'm going to work on the blessings of a retirement account and just put as much money in there as I can. I'm going to make as much money. I'm going to work as many hours as possible. 
and I have to get every promotion I can, even if I have to lie about other people so I can get the promotion instead of them. That's making a God out of work and, and making yourself the God. So do not budge. Look who God is. Look what all that he has done. And so look at verse 8. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 8. Remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one is like me. So remember that. Remember all the things that God has done. And because of that, you can be brave. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brave, they stood up for God, not knowing if they were going to live or die, but they knew that God was in control, and they could stand up and be brave and stand up to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, no, we are not going to worship your idol. Daniel could be brave and say, I don't care what the laws of the land are, I am still going to pray to you, God. And so you can stand up and be brave. You can take heart, even though you are a transgressor. You can remember. It's like, well, I don't know what happened long ago. I don't know what happened in the Bible. What? Then you better start finding out what happened in the Bible. You better start pouring your heart into the Scripture so you know what God did in the past, and so you can know what he is capable of to do in the future. If you don't remember what he did in the past, you say, God, pray. God, show me how have you worked in my heart already? How have you worked in my life? Because I don't see it. Make that a prayer request. And if you don't know what he's done in the past, you need to open up this scripture and start reading it and finding out. How can you be brave for God and for your faith if you don't know what your faith is? Read biographies of the saints of old. Whether they're Puritans or people from, old, from other times. Some of the hymn writers that we have in our hymnals. Read about them. Find biographies about them. And read them and see how God has done. Because God is your God. Not yourself. Not your own strength. Your strength will fail. You may be you know, good and strong today, but someday your strength will fail. You will get sick. You will get injured. You will get old. And your strength will fail. But there is only one God. There is no other. He is God, and there is no one like him. Now, as we read these next few verses, it sounds like arrogance. It sounds like prideful arrogance. And if I said things like this, it would be prideful arrogance. You know, as, as the athletes say, you know, they, they boast how, how they're organized. It's like, well, if, if I make it happen, it's true. And, and to some extent, that's what this is. This is who God is. It's matter of fact. How big is your God? Do you keep God in a little tiny box that says, well, he's over here, I set him up on the shelf, and when I need him, I'll go get that little box down, and I'll open it up, you know, and I'll talk to him for 37 seconds, and then I'll put it back, and I'll, I'll put it back up there, and I'll, I'll ignore it the rest of the day. How 
How big is your God? And as, as we read this, think about this. How big is your God? So starting, continuing on in verse 9. So Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and no one is like me. I declared the end from the beginning, and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place, and I will, and I will do all my will. So look at that. God does it. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows when you were born. You don't remember your own birth. If you know anything about your birth, it's because somebody told you about it. But he knows when you will end. He knows about your death. I don't know about your death. I mean, unless you've been diagnosed with cancer and, and, and the doctor said you got you know X number of months to live, you don't know about your death. You don't know when, you don't know how. And it's probably better that way for most of us. But God knows the end from the beginning. Do you? Do the scientists know the end from the beginning? No, we're still trying to figure things out. We just still don't know what the moon's made out of. Scientists just figured out recently, it's like, hey, there's more water on the moon than we thought. And in places we didn't know it was going to be. And so we're still trying to figure these things out. But God already knows it. We're still trying to figure out how the universe was created. God already knows the answer to that. We don't know how the universe will end. God knows the answer to that. He knows the history, the, po the politics of what's going to happen. He knows who's going to win the election already. And he knows what's going to happen at the, as a result of who wins the election. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. God does. He knows who's going to get COVID-19. I don't. He knows who is going to get it and it's just going to be asymptomatic. He knows who's going to get it and have to have some medical issues. And he knows who's going to get it and who's going to die because of the complications from it. I don't. God knows the plan. You're not going to surprise God. God says he's going to, he has a plan and it's going to happen. How many times have you made plans and it didn't happen? Sometimes it's your own fault because you didn't follow through with it. Sometimes you make plans and somebody because of something somebody else does, your plans fail. You're going to make a surprise birthday party when somebody blabs it, so no longer is a surprise. You make all kinds of plans for some big event you want to do, and then COVID-19 happens and all the plans get canceled. Who knows what happens? You want to have a great outdoor event, and it rains and storms, and it gets rained out. Your plans fail for various reasons. God's plans don't fail, ever. His plan will take place. His will will happen. Whether you are a part of it or not, His will will happen. And so as an example of that, in verse 11, He says this, I will call a bird of prey from the east. 
a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken, so I will bring it about. I have planned it, and I will do it. So what is this bird of prey from the east? Excuse me. Is this something from Babylon? Is this something from Persia, Assyria? Some Those are the countries that are to the east of Israel. Doesn't really matter. But God said, I have a plan. It will happen. It's not going to fail. I have a purpose. The purpose will go through. It will happen. And so what is you? what are you to do? It says here in verse 12, Isaiah 46, verse 12, Listen to me, you hard-hearted, far removed from justice. I am bringing my justice near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion and my splendor in Israel. So he says, Listen to me, you hard-hearted. That's talking to you. He's talking to me. I'm hard-hearted. I'm far removed from justice. I think I know what justice is, but my justice is imperfect. Why? Because I don't know the hearts of every person. Is that person really lazy and forgetful, or do they just have a severe case of ADHD? Is that person really that clueless? about what's going on around them? Or do they have autism and they just don't understand social cues? Why is that person cowering in the corner? Why won't they talk to anybody? Don't you know that they were bullied all through school and every time they talked, they were bullied and so they've just learned not to talk? My judgment is imperfect. I don't know. My judgment is based on what I think and my what my needs are and my wants are. You don't do what I want? Well, I don't like you anymore. That's how we work. You didn't do it for me, therefore, you know, you're you're scumbag. That's our judgment. Our judgment is awful. God's judgment knows the heart. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows the heart of whoever you're out there trying to judge and trying to determine their motives and what they want. It's like, well, I'll never do that. Yeah, you do. We do it in politics all the time. Well, he is a bleepity bleep bleep. Well, didn't he say this? Yeah, but he doesn't mean it. It doesn't count. Okay? We do it all the time. We do it when we're driving and we're talking about the other person in the car that we don't like the way they're driving. You know, are they a bad driver or are they just new to the city and they don't know where they're going? Are they a bad driver or is they have a screaming kid in the back seat that you can't hear and they're just completely distracted by what's going on? I don't know. God does. So he says, listen to me, you hard-hearted, far removed from justice. So who is the one that's not hard-hearted, and who is the one that's near to justice? That's God. That's his point. I'm the one that knows what true justice is. That's what he says in verse 13. I am bringing my justice near. 
It's not far away, and my salvation will not delay. I will put my salvation in Zion and my splendor in Israel. There is hope for the future. Now, what is near to God? What do you think? For us, near is like, well, like today, God would be nice, you know, zap all those bad guys and put the right guy in as president, the godly person, whoever that is. You know, the problem is, what if the godly person isn't running for president? I, my salvation will not delay. God's salvation isn't far off. Now, it'd be, maybe it's farther off than you want, as far as you know, world politics goes. But God's salvation in your heart is near. It's right here today. Repent. Confess your sins. Turn to him for the first time. Christian, you've been a Christian for many years. But, you, but we still must repent of our continual sin. I said, well, God got rid of this sin in my life. Okay, that's great. But you know what? That wasn't the only one you had. God doesn't take them all out at once because otherwise we'd we, literally kill us. We'd fall, we'd fall dead. Our path is a journey. It's a marathon. It takes a long time. It's like going up the down escalator at the mall or at DFW Airport where they got the really tall escalators. As soon as you stop moving, you're going down. You're going backwards. And so you got to keep striving. There is never cease striving for God. There is no check the box. Okay, I got it. I'm here now. I don't have to do anything anymore. You know, we do that for school, right? I got the degree. I don't have to go to class anymore. But in the Christian life, it doesn't work that way. You have to continue to strive for him. And it doesn't matter that I went to seminary. I didn't get to check the box, say, okay, I'm good, God. You know, God gave me this sanctified degree called a master of the divinity. No, that doesn't work. I still have to strive for God each and every day. And pastors still must. How do I know that? Well, how many pastors have you seen fail and fall or just quit and give up? And go, go to truck driving because it's easier. You don't have to deal with people. And so we must continue to strive. Your salvation is every day. It's new every morning. And we need to turn to God. And God is big. He carries you. He knows all about your burdens, and he wants you to give them to him. How do you give them to him? You tell him about it. You make that part of your prayers. You tell God about your frustrations, how you're tired of being stuck at home. You tell God about your frustrations, about how your body doesn't work the way it's supposed to, and you're tired of it, and you want him to fix it and heal it, but he hasn't. He wants you to tell him, it's like, God, I keep working and working, but we don't, our bills are getting bigger and not smaller. You tell him about those things. He has big shoulders. He can handle it better than I can. 
And I'm a, you know, I've got a degree in counseling and I'm not trained to listen to your problems. But God's got bigger shoulders. He's more patient. At some point in time, I'm going to get impatient and say, okay, yeah, yeah, we need to quit this session. I need to move on. But God doesn't do that. He is there. You know, a statue, you, you know, think about it, you know, we could go pray to a statue. And yeah, they're good listeners, but they have no solutions. They give you no strength. They give you no wisdom. And so part of your salvation, part of understanding how big God is reading Scripture, to see the Scripture's description of who God is. Part of understanding Scripture and seeing how bad it is, you, you go and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you can hear the stories of how God's working in their lives. And you can rejoice in that. And you can pray, God, I want some of that too. How big is your God? Do you just keep him in a little box and only get him out when you're really desperate? Or do you praise him every day? You praise him in the rain, the beautiful blue sky day like today. Praise him last night when there was a, a, a beautiful full moon outside. Do you praise him when the wind and the storms are howling and the tree branches are breaking against your house and, and, and breaking your house? Do you praise him on the day that you can go out and do great and wonderful things? Do you praise him on the day that you're sick or injured and you're stuck in your house and you can't do anything? God is God no matter what. And that's what Isaiah is trying to get across to the people here. God is big. God is better than all the other gods. God is better than the God of your imagination in your head. God is better than all the fantasy gods and all the fantasy fiction novels that are out there. Because he's the true God and he is the God that provides you salvation. And so follow him. Search after him. Learn about him so you can remember and be brave. That's what it says in, in verse 8. Remember this and be brave. Take heart. You're tra you transgressors, that's you and me, we're sinners, we're the transgressors. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. And that includes you. You're not bigger than God. There is no problem you have that God does not care about. There is no problem that you have that God cannot deal with. You may have problems that I can't deal with, that I don't know how to deal with, I'm not unable to deal with, but there is no problem that God cannot deal with. And even if it's a problem I can deal with, maybe I can't because I'm the one that's sick and I can't help you anymore. Or I'm out of town for some reason and I can't do anything to help you. But God is always there. And so let's turn to him in prayer. Lord God, we come to you humbly. We get so arrogant and full of ourselves and we are, think we are so powerful sometimes that we ignore you and put you in a little box. Sometimes we get so busy with life and with our pleasures of the day. It's like, I gotta be, God, you, 
I need satisfaction from this world. Whether it's playing games or taking medications that make us feel good or activities that make us feel good or, or, or reaching out for the next relationship that will solve all our problems. God, you are the only relationship that we need. Human relationships are failures. People disappoint us. People will fail us. But you are the only one that will never fail us. We thank you for the salvation that you have provided to us, Lord. Help us to live in that. Help us to remember that and be brave. Help us to remember that. And move on and bask in that. You are the mighty God, Lord. We just pray all this in Jesus Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. So I thank you for watching. I see, let's say, I see Shirley there. I see Vivian. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your comments there. Um, if you have questions, put them in the comments or, or send me an email. I'm Nelson at TowerViewKC.com. Um, call the church at 368-1330. You can text that. You can call it. You can, you can send us messages through our face, uh, through our, our website at TowerViewKC.com. There's a, a way there you can send a message to the pastors or, or through the, the, our Facebook page. And so we thank you for watching and listening. Once again, I'm, I'm Pastor Nelson, Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. I, I pray, I thank you for sitting down with us as we took a few minutes to study Isaiah 46. And I pray that God will burn these words into your heart and into your mind, that you will not re forget who God is. You will remember the power that he has for your life. And you can bask in that. And you can depend on that. Better than anything else in this world. So thank you. Have an awesome day. Um, if you're watching this live, church is at 1030 here at Tower View. In the parking lot, you can listen to 90.7 on the radio. You, uh, I'm going to set up the speakers outside today. So if you bring a lawn chair, probably a jacket and a coat, um, you can sit outside. Darren is preaching outside today. So, uh, uh, just a reminder, church inside is by reservation only. Um, but I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. Go with God, and God bless.